There's nothing that we as parents want more for our children than for them to come to know and truly love God. But when they're young, it's sometimes hard to know how to help them grow in their understanding of the Bible and Christian theology. How do you explain the Trinity to a second grader? What's the right time to introduce kids to the doctrine of election or predestination? And how are we supposed to talk to our kids about the doctrine of hell without terrifying them? My guest today is Kristen Weatherall, a mom and a Bible teacher. And in our conversation, she highlights why all of us are already theologians, even our kids. She offers practical advice for teaching our children about important doctrines and shares what it looks like in our own home. She also offers encouragement to parents facing questions about theology that they're not sure how to answer. Kristen Weatherall is a wife, a mother, a writer, and a speaker. She's also the author of the For the Bible Tells Me So series, a brand new collection of board books for young kids aimed at teaching them core doctrines of the Christian faith. Let's get started. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining me again on the Crossway Podcast. it's fun to be back. Yeah, it's good to talk. So today we're going to talk about teaching deep theological truths, the riches of the doctrines that we believe as Christians, to little kids, Mm. and uh, why that's so important for kids to, to be exposed to those doctrines, to be taught those doctrines, but maybe even more encouragingly for people listening right now, why it's doable for Christian parents to actually actually do that with their kids. Uh, and you've written uh, three new books, uh, and there's more coming after these three, but three books designed to help parents to do that with their young children. But before we get into those books and what the backstory is there a little bit, could you start off by telling us a little bit about your family? Yeah, I love telling people about my family. Thank you for asking. I'm married to Brad, and we're coming up on 10 years next year. Wow. So that's wild. It feels like we're definitely in that next season. Yeah. We're, we're a little bit seasoned now. We have three kids. I have a five-and-a-half-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son, and a seven-month-old girl. So we're life is very full. It's crazy right now and it's very it's a very physically demanding stage we're we're learning but we love it our kids are a joy and I feel like every single day I am on my knees before the Lord saying help Mm, yeah (laughs) and we're just enjoying one another and the Lord's teaching all of us through through this thing called family Mm -hmm. who he is and how much we need him it's amazing I have young kids too and it is amazing how those early years can feel kind of like a full court press. There's just constant need for attention when it comes to caring for your young kids. How does that kind of translate into your house? Do you guys have that sense? Yeah, absolutely. I've heard it said that anything really worth doing is usually hard. Mm. So parenting is by far the most challenging, but also the most rewarding thing that we've ever done. And yeah, I often say, mom is not an octopus, friends. I do not have eight arms, so please just wait your turn. You know, there, there, is, there are a lot of demands, and I'm often just kind of reaching the end of myself. But yeah. honestly, it's, it's a good place to be because yeah. I am not God, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, everybody sees that pretty quickly. <laughs> well, because on top of all of, the, all of the kind of physical demands that we as Christian parents have with our kids, we have to keep them fed and keep them clothed mm-hmm. and clean and sometimes... Just those things feel like a lot to, to cover. We also, as Christian parents, want to teach our kids about who God is and who, mm-hmm. who they are in light of him. And I think sometimes that can actually be a source of stress and anxiety for us as, as parents. But you're an author, you're a speaker, you teach on the Bible mm-hmm. and on the Christian life uh, fairly frequently. 
some of your books have been with Crossway. Uh, your husband's a pastor as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see some people listening to us right now thinking, oh yeah, like if anyone's got this thing down, uh, what it is to disciple our kids and teach them these things, it's probably you. It's probably your family, you and your husband. Is that true? Hmm. Do you feel that way? <laughs> I'm going to laugh at that a little <laughs> bit. Um, I often am to admit that it is so much easier for me to teach a room of women hmm. the Bible than it is for me to teach my children. And I believe that that's because it is the nitty gritty, the day-to-day craziness of life, both its highs and its joys and its challenges, its mm. lows, that tests our theology, right? And when we say theology, we're talking about a study of God. It tests our theology um, and our experience. Do I actually believe in this moment when everyone's screaming <laughs> <laughs> what I say to be true? Yeah. And then, oh, Lord, help me communicate that to them. I'm your image bearer. And however dim a reflection I may be, help me to communicate who you are to them. Mm. And so I think it's really intimidating. It's such a high calling, but I feel that too. I think every parent who is a believer and wants to raise their kids up in the knowledge and love of Christ feels that. Mm. I'm struck by that comment about how it can be easier sometimes to teach a room full of of women uh, some theological doctrine or topic than it would be our own kids. And uh, how much of that has to do with just the the controlled environment of teaching women? You kind of know when it's starting, you know when Mm -hmm. it's ending, you can prepare your plan. Whereas with our own kids, it's just, it's a constant flow of interactions and conversations. Uh, How do you think about the, why, why is it so much different, such a different experience? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it, a lack of control, of Mm. careful preparation. So when I'm going in to teach a room of women, I teach from a manuscript. And so I have my manuscript and I know what the event is about. Mm -hmm. And unless there is a and a where they could throw something at me, (laughs) I'm pretty well prepared and I know what's going to happen for the most part. Man, with my kids, I am so out of control. I don't know what the next event is going to be in our house or how they are going to respond to that event or what choice they are going to make or even how I'm going to react in any given moment. So it really is that this is real life. Not that teaching women the Bible isn't real life, but it is a very, it's it's a much less controlled environment. Mm -hmm. And yet, even just thinking through this right now, it is so comforting for me to know this does not surprise God. (laughs) This moment right here, when my house is a, a, is a mess, and um, you know my kids are in conflict with one another, or man, I just uh, I just nailed that conversation. I did really great. Now I'm all puffed up with pride. Whatever the moment might be, God is not surprised by it, and that's a huge comfort to me too. When I'm praying that He will help me point my kids to Him. Yeah. So there are obviously lots of books out there, lots of Christian books written for for kids trying to help them understand various facets of Christianity and the Christian life. And, you know, I happen to think we're living in a time of just unparalleled wealth and riches in terms of great books for kids when it comes to our faith. And yet you still decided to write these books, this series of books that are aimed at helping Mm -hmm. kids to understand various doctrinal truths from Scripture. So what was it that led you to do that? Why did you perceive a need for books like the ones that you Mm -hmm. wrote? Yeah, yeah. I did perceive a need, and it was that my son, John, was not interested in any of the Christian books in our house. Mm. (laughs) And I just thought, what a bummer, because these books are so rich. And, um, you know, he would have been little at that point, 
one year old, maybe two years old. And not only was he rough with his fingers, so he couldn't really handle picture books yet. Mm. He would tear the pages. But none of the word books were interesting to him. He wanted animals and anything with flaps. (laughs) And so it got me thinking, okay, could I develop something that was rich in its content and that pointed a little one like my son to the Lord and that he actually would want to read and that he would come back to animals, flaps, things like that. And so I'm just, I'm actually looking at them right now. You guys just gave me copies and I'm so thrilled to look at these and just thank God for them because it's the result of that. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that these board books will engage little ones and yeah. they'll want to keep coming back to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Bright, vibrant colors and, and fun animals. And I think any parent knows, any parent knows the experience of trying to get a kid to pay attention to a book right. that they just don't <laughs> want to pay attention to. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a kind of a, a losing battle at that point to, to get them to care. So then maybe taking a big step back then. So you've, you've kind of perceived this need, but maybe speak to the person who's maybe skeptical. Do kids really need to understand mm theological doctrines and truths at a super young age. You're talking one, two-year-olds. This is a board book that we have Mm -hmm. here. What's the case for why it's important to start teaching kids these doctrines that early? Yeah. Well, we already mentioned in the beginning, just to define some terms. So theology is the study of God. And now there's bad theology, right? And good theology. (laughs) And we're obviously wanting to teach our kids biblical theology. And that does sound kind of like a scary, Mm -hmm. a scary phrase, biblical theology. Whoa, that sounds like it's for professors and others who have studied it, right? Not just scary for for a young person, but Mm -hmm. even scary for many of us as adults. Yeah. We hear that and we're, oh, I don't know if that's for me. Yeah. But if we think about it, everyone's a theologian. So God has created us, Ecclesiastes says, with eternity in our hearts, with a desire to know him. We're made for him, Mm -hmm. for everlasting joy in his beautiful presence. All of us are made for that. Now we've turned away from that in our sin. And so we may have real bad theology. (laughs) You know, we may, our study of God might even be that we deny God's existence. But the reality is everyone is a theologian. Mm -hmm. And so the, I think the question for us as parents is, are we giving our children a right and biblical study of God that's motivated by a desire to know him and therefore to love him hmm. and not just to know some things about him? Because hmm. we can also have knowledge of God that would lead us to know, quote unquote, know things about him. But if we don't love him, what's it all for? Hmm. Yeah. And so our, our desire as parents is to give our kids this right study of God that is motivated by a desire to actually know him mm-hmm. and to walk with him. And so why do we need to do that? We've already mentioned there's a human need there. God created us to know him, but by nature and by practice, we have sinned and we have turned away from God. And so we need a savior. We need God to reveal to us who he is. And what, a, what an amazing and brilliant privilege as parents that that we have to lead our kids to the Savior and to point us to him, to point them to him, rather. And so we as parents also are forgetful and we need reminding. That's actually one of the other reasons I wrote the books is because <laughs> in this moment when I'm sleep deprived and reading you know, this book to my child for the umpteenth time, I need to know that God cares for me. Yeah. And I can attest to that in reading through these books. You know, they're, they're short books for kids, but they were so encouraging to me and so stabilizing even in the simplicity of the language, but the, the depth and the profundity of what you're saying. They really, I think sometimes though, as parents, we can worry that perhaps introducing some of these doctrinal ideas to kids at a young age can 
could maybe be confusing to them. It could, it could complicate some of the basic ideas that we want them to get about Jesus, that he loves them uh, and that he, he cares for them, that he wants them to, to come be friends with him, say, something like that. We can think that it's going to confuse them, that it's, it's too advanced for a young person like that. What do you think about that kind of concern that parents might have? Hmm. Well, I think that it could go both ways. I think that you could argue for it and say it's never too early to introduce mm. uh, what we might call like a heavier doctrine. And certainly that's what like the catechisms do, right? Is they're introducing in a question and answer format, mm. these really complex things, but making them simple. Um, and so I think it's never too early. They may not grasp it now, but it's, it's kind of like you're giving them pegs to hang things on and they'll be able to access those thing, those pegs later. And um, the abstract concepts, we're hanging them on the pegs and then someday they'll be able to actually understand them as abstract concepts, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so I think, I think that we should absolutely go there. How we go there though matters, I think. I wanna go back to something that you said a minute ago. You, you were stressing the importance of viewing our task as parents when it comes to teaching these things to our kids, mm-hmm. that we're not just communicating facts to them. We're not just teaching them to memorize doctrines, that actually we are, we're leading them to a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that just, that's such an encouraging reminder to us. I think sometimes, at least for me, the, the task of discipling our kids can ironically feel almost like a chore or a task that we have to check off. And if we don't, we feel guilty. But really, it's this incredible privilege that we get to introduce kids, not just to ideas, like from a textbook, but to a person. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that dynamic? And, and how does that maybe bolster your enthusiasm, your energy, your excitement about what we get to do as parents. Yeah, well, it makes me want to walk with Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, and it makes me want to know him and come to him myself. Yeah, that, that is our goal. It's to bring our kids to Jesus and to introduce them to the, the living, risen Savior, right, and Lord. And it is humbling, you know, because I think we do, we do that in our teaching with our words. Absolutely, it cannot be less than that because our kids need to hear the Bible and they need to hear the gospel message and faith comes by hearing the word of Christ and we need those words and it, but it's also through our lives right and that's what I'm often convicted of is I can teach and teach and teach and instruct and instruct all that I want but if I'm not walking with Jesus and if if I'm not being transformed in my heart by him and if my kids aren't seeing a reflection of him what good are my words mm. and that could be a really scary thing, right? Because all of us fail every single day. Yeah, and, and our kids and are, have a front row to God. see that right. failure. The hard things when we lose, blow a gasket or yeah. whatever it might be. But that's where the good news of the gospel comes in. Is mm. I'm not alone. <laughs> I have been filled with the Holy Spirit. There is, you know, forgiveness and grace when I turn to the Lord and say I'm sorry. And when I look my child in the eye and say, wow, mommy really messed up. Mm. I sinned. Will you please forgive me? It's those moments in which we are living out good theology and we are showing our kids a picture of Christ, a picture of his grace and of the gospel message. And so I think it's, I think it's both. You yeah. know, I think we're teaching with our words. Absolutely. We're, we're getting the Bible open in, I'm sure, many different ways. We're bringing our children to church with us throughout the week. And we're also walking with Jesus, right? We want to show them who he is. My sense, I'm looking at certainly my own life, but even the lives of people that I know, friends, other parents, is that from different times of our lives, we might, we might tend towards one or the other of that, those sides. We might be focused on just living lives that 
that honor God, that reflect our love for God. And we kind of hope our kids just pick that up by osmosis. Mm. Uh, other times we might emphasize, you know, the teaching element. Is there a danger on the other side where we we're so focused on just living the lives that God's called us to live, but we maybe neglect more of the formal teaching, mm. the words that we need to teach our kids about? Yeah. Oh, I think so. I think it's really wise as parents to even do a little heart searching and ask the Lord, you know, help me to see where I'm prone to veer. Mm. Am I prone to go kind of on the side of teach, 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 but I have this huge struggle with anger Mm. (laughs) that I have not dealt with, you know, and and that's affecting how my kids are able to hear the words that I'm teaching. Yeah. Or am I veering on the side of words don't matter Mm. when they do God's word matters. And that's how he draws people to himself is the word. So I think, I think it is wise to to discern that. Well, so when it comes to teaching young kids about theology, I think sometimes parents can struggle, even if they, they believe they should, and they want to, they want to learn how to better use their words uh, to help kids understand these deep truths. They might struggle to know how to do that. Mm -hmm. They feel uh, confused or uncertain. And maybe sometimes that's often rooted in their own lack of confidence in theology. Mm -hmm. You know, my own lack of understanding about certain doctrines. And I kind of wonder, if I start going down this road, am I going to hit the limit of my knowledge? Is my kid going to ask me a question that I'm not ready to answer? Mm -hmm. What would you say to the parent who kind of has that underlying fear when it comes to this topic. Yeah. Oh man, we have been there where your kid just asks you the doozy question and you're thinking, oh boy, <laughs> what am I supposed to say right now? Um, what, what, do you, what do you say in that? Or, or even, yeah, do you have an example yeah, of a question that the kids have asked? Of, um, well, you know, our, our daughter has asked, so does that, so if people who don't believe in Jesus go to hell, does that mean our neighbors are going to hell? that's hard, mm. right? Yeah. That's... Kids have a way of like cutting through all mm. the fluff and they kind of get to the heart of the issue sometimes. Yeah. And that's, you know, I suppose if as a parent you didn't know the answer, probably the right answer is I don't know the answer to that. Mm. But let's let's go home and let's open our Bibles and let's get out the study Bible and let's look it let's look it up together. Let's try and find an answer. So you're not afraid but of saying I don't know to no, your kids. No. I, I think there's so much about the Lord that is difficult for us to comprehend. Think about the doctrine of the Trinity. People have tried to explain that in so many ways that turn out to be not helpful or just plain wrong, right? And so there there is such a mystery surrounding that. Yeah. And I think I think as parents we're so afraid to fail in front of our kids. But if we can just say, you know what? Mommy's still trying to understand that. Yeah. <laughs> and I would love to I would love to do a little bit of reading or let's talk to Pastor insert his name, Pastor Greg at church and yeah. let's ask him together. Wouldn't that be a great conversation? Hmm. And so I think it's totally okay to admit as parents, I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. But in my experience, and I've also heard people say, it's so much harder to teach for children, to teach children than it is adults, because you have to be more concrete and more uh, concise. Yeah. I just think that that's hard when you're dealing with theological concepts like the incarnation (laughs) and the Trinity. It's, It's hard. The more we know our Bibles, the better equipped we'll be. And I just think that's a case for abiding in Christ every day in the word. And that doesn't mean that you have to do it for an hour or two. It just means any time, you know, that you can spend opening mm. your Bible and seeking the Lord and asking him to give you understanding will benefit you because that's how he reveals himself to us. Mm. 
Um, study Bibles are so helpful. Meeting with your pastor. It would, I mean, my husband is a pastor, and so I know this to be true. It brings them such joy when you email or call and say, I have a question about A, B, and C. Can we please meet to talk about it? Yeah. That is the kind of meeting that he wants to take. Right, you know? right. That's a joy for him. Yeah, for a pastor to, I mean, they're obviously pastors love to shepherd their people. And so they get these kind of life crisis kinds of calls, I'm sure often and have to deal with those, but to get a a more straightforward, like help me understand this Bible Mm -hmm. passage or this doctrine. I'm sure that must be kind of a a really fun opportunity for a pastor. Yeah. Help me understand, you know, we're hearing this one more often. My sibling just told us that they're gay. Mm. I don't know how to explain this to my kids. (laughs) Will you help me? This has been hard for our family. You know, yes, I will help you. That sounds like a delight, you know? (laughs) And so I think that there's a lot that our kids ask. There's a lot going on in our culture right now. It's important for us to be rooted in good theology. And you have a whole um, resource in your church. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good reminder for us. Sometimes we can kind of think we have to go this alone. No. Yeah, we uh, don't. We really don't. Right. So as I read through these books that you've written, and they're each pretty short, like we've said, I I was really impressed by how much rich doctrinal truth you were able to pack into these, but in a way that didn't feel like bloated, it didn't feel technical or hard to understand or hard to read. You just very uh, naturally and very subtly even kind of wove in nuances to doctrine. And so I have a few questions about kind of how did you do that and Mm. what can we learn from that even as parents uh, trying to help our kids. So what age range were you targeting for the books? You've kind of already alluded to this a little bit. And how why did you land on that age range? Was it just because of your own kids or do you think there's something strategic or important about the age that you're trying to address here? Yeah. Well, I believe we're, you know, marketing the books for a range zero to four years old. At the time I was thinking about my two-year-old, one and a half, two-year-old. So I was thinking about what kind of a book can he physically handle? That's mm. why it's a word book and he can't tear the pages or if he sucks on them or whatever, yeah. they won't we'll, fall we'll apart. Hold up a little yeah, longer. exactly. <laughs> but they're also, thank, thank you for your encouragement there. I just praise God that they're rich and that they're helpful because he, he's the one who helped me write them. But I was just trying to think through what are the concrete situations in which kids would, would learn about God's care for them or scripture or prayer. And then how would I articulate them in a way that's memorable and rhymes are memorable. Yeah. That's why our kids memorize song so quickly. And my encouragement um, for parents here would be, you know, that your kids are little sponges. I am blown away by what my kids are able to take in and remember. And so as much as I think that there's wisdom in discerning whether or not, you know, our child is ready for a certain doctrine to be described in a certain way, I also think we underestimate them. Hmm. And I think that they are very capable of, you know, if not fully grasping it, I can't even fully grasp it, right? You know, hanging those truths on their pegs and remembering them. Right now we are... I'm trying to memorize more scripture because it's just such a gift to have God's word stored up in in my heart and mind. And so we're doing it together. And it's incredible to me that my kids are memorizing entire Psalms. And this is not me patting myself on the back. Yeah, This is truly the way that God has designed the human brain (laughs) in a young child that can absorb so much. And so my goal in the books was to give them something rhythmic that they will remember. Mm. And I have probably not all of it, but most of these books memorized because it's just, it's <laughs> it, just stuck yeah, with me. It as sticks, I, yeah. Yeah. It so that, that was the hope, kind of the philosophy behind it Yeah, is giving kids something that's sticky that will help them learn and appreciate 
the truths about who God is. Yeah, yeah it certainly is sticky, but even just as an example of the, the richness that you're able to put in there, uh, one of the books is called God Speaks to Me, and it's exploring the doctrine of God's revelation to us, primarily, especially through Scripture. Um, but in that book, you're able to hit on a bunch of different related themes. You hit on God's general revelation through the natural world, special revelation through the Bible, how the Bible contains a, a more full form of revelation that's uniquely able to save us. Uh, the idea that the Bible is self-authenticating is in there, that Jesus is the capital W word of God. And then along the way, you're incorporating various biblical metaphors, like the word is a lamp and a sword and honey. So how did you go about actually planning that? How did you choose those kinds of doctrinal or theological nuances that you wanted to bring? You could have just said, the Bible is a book that God gave us, and mm-hmm. it contains all of his rules for our lives and a story of Jesus. You know, But you did so much more than that, it feels like. It's richer than that. How did you make those decisions? Yeah. The Bible talks about itself in those ways. I was just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. What, what does scripture say about itself? And the idea for God Speaks to Me came when my husband and I were on a little getaway, and I was we were on Lake Michigan, and I was staring at the lake, and I was watching birds flying through the sky. The opening lines just came to me. You know, how does my God speak to me? It's through golden sunsets and um, the birds flying in the air and the peaceful breeze. And so it just got me thinking about there, there is more to be said than nature can tell us and teach us about who God is. Mm. And then we see that in the word of God. So it came through just a personal experience, but also by, by actually looking in scripture and saying, mm. what is, what does the Bible say about itself? Yeah. Um, and that's so helpful for us as parents too. Another great reason for us to be, you know, immersing ourselves in the word is because the Bible gives us categories and pictures. It's God is so creative, right? And how he inspired the biblical authors to write. Mm. And our kids get that. Like they get that a cookie is sweet and, and <laughs> honey is sweeter than a cookie. And so the Bible is the sweetest, yeah, you know, they yeah. can, they can actually understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that, that God gives us that gift. Yeah. And at the end of every book, you have a, a little note uh, to parents that kind of explains some of those, uh, the background, you, you list a few passages that might've been helpful for you and inspirational to you as you wrote the, the book that helps parents to follow your thinking there. So just really helpful. So another thing I really appreciated about the book is how you, you always did a good job rooting the explanation of these doctrines in a a natural sort of everyday life kind of context. And I think sometimes a temptation we can have or something that can cause us even anxiety is I got to, I got to get my kids sitting down and I need to teach them in this classroom almost experience. Uh, Whereas the, the way you presented these doctrinal ideas in the books is, is a much more natural everyday life setting. How'd you think about mm. doing that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I guess just through living it out in our family life, mm. because yeah, getting my kids to sit down for a Bible lesson, not, <laughs> not realistic usually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this morning I was saying there might've been a threat associated with sit down and stop talking, you know? Um, it's hard enough to get them to eat delicious breakfast, yeah. much less. But I, know. yeah, I think that's the point though. It's, we're just integrating our teaching throughout our day, right? Mm. Deuteronomy 6 is so helpful here. When Moses is um, is talking to God's people, he's saying, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. How? You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand. They'll be as frontless between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's all the time. It's everything that we do. Now, does that mean that I'm 
talking, teaching my kids every single moment, every single day? No, but it does mean that all of life is the Lord's, Mm. right? And that's when we talk about like a Christian worldview, that's what we mean is all of life is the Lord's. And so, you know, thinking about like the prayer book, I think is a great example thinking about the situations in which we pray. Sure, we might have more uh, formal settings for prayer, like when we're with our church family or before bed at night, but it could also just be whenever I feel scared Yeah. or it could also be, you know, whenever I'm thankful or I just need to pray for my friend or my cousin or it's all the time. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I think that was helpful to me was just thinking through what are situations that our family walks through. Yeah, I love in the prayer book, especially there's kind of this refrain that comes back multiple times, the idea of praising God when I'm happy and, and, and glad and praising him when I'm sad or talking to him when I'm sad. And just, yeah, that, that idea of rooting this, not just in a quote-unquote spiritual discipline kind of category of I have to do it every morning, but it's integrated into all of life. Yeah. 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 Um, so maybe let's turn and talk about a few practical ideas for helping young kids learn and get excited about theology. So there's a few kind of questions I have in here. The first one is, how do you how do you find the time to actually be intentional with this stuff? So with the caveat in place that we, we want to be doing this all the time, that we're modeling a love for God and modeling our own good theology and how we live. Sometimes, though, we need to have times of, of teaching them and instruction. And mm-hmm. So how do you think about finding the time to to do this with your family? Yeah. Well, the more habitual things are, so the more habits we create, it almost starts to not feel like you're needing a ton of time Mm. because it's just built around your life, right? Or built into your life. So I'm thinking about, I mean, I'll just go through what we do. (laughs) This is one family. So this is not prescriptive. Everybody's life and, and children look different. But I'm thinking about, even as parents, like our daily spiritual habits. For my husband and me, it's in the morning. We we spend time with God and his word for a few minutes before the kids get up and we want them to see those spiritual habits. Mm. You know, I've a friend at church once said, have your kids catch you in the act, (laughs) which I think is great because we're modeling for them what it looks like to open our Bibles, right. And to spend time with the Lord and to talk to him in prayer. So I do think that those spiritual habits are important. And letting your kids, letting your kids kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. And letting them catch you in the act. But we usually at the breakfast table, you know, we, we pray before every meal. It's simple, but it's there, right? Mm. It's built in. So we are going to start our day talking to God and thanking him. We usually at the breakfast table have a very brief, and I truly mean very brief because <laughs> we have probably 30 seconds before everybody's like, Wah, and in the other room. But we have some kind of simple devotional or storybook Bible that we're going through. So that could be a catechism, simple question and answer that we do a question a week and we just are trying to memorize it together or going through a simple chapter of a storybook Bible is great. And it's just something to get our hearts and our minds tuned to God's word before we launch out into the world. You know, and that's what we always say. At our house, we will do a little bit of screen time a few times a week. And sometimes the kids will be like, you know, let's want to do that first, obviously. So do I. <laughs> um, but we have to we have to lead our hearts, right? And so it's kind of like, okay, nope, we're going to get in the word before we do anything else because mm. we want to spend time with God. So even just setting that as a pattern for the start of your day. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking, Matt, about disciplinary moments, like opportunities for instructing our kids, everything from sibling conflict where they're fighting in the other room 
to disobedience to a child feeling envy about the neighbor's new bike. You know, all these all these moments that we can capitalize on as parents. No, it doesn't seem like, okay, kids, now we're going to walk into the other room and do a 20-minute lesson on envy. Yeah. But it's a lesson, right? Yeah. It's us obeying God's command to discipline and instruct our children. Hmm. And that that matters. We're teaching them good theology in the words that we say, in the way that we respond to that disciplinary moment, which I'll be the first person to admit is not always beautiful yeah, that's <laughs> and a, pretty. That's a convicting yeah. kind of thought. It's, it's the moment that you turn around and you say, okay, I just spoke really harshly to you and mommy sinned. And will you please forgive me? That matters. Mm. That's teaching our kids good theology. Yeah. Um, weaving it into our day. Um, you know, our family prays before bed at night and we try to do this. We don't always succeed, but um, we've been trying to go around the dinner table doing one part of the Acts model of prayer every yeah. night of the week. So like it's adoration night. Yeah. Why doesn't everybody go around and say something that they adore about God? Yeah. And just doing really simple things What a great like idea. That. Such a simple, I'm struck by how simple all of these can, can be. Yeah. Uh, it takes some intentionality and hopefully you get into habits that help you do them repeatedly, but... Um, sometimes we can kind of psych ourselves out, I think, with how complicated yeah. it might be. Well, and we, like you mentioned earlier, we are living in a time where resources and opportunities are numerous because of the digital age. Mm-hmm. And so I think as parents, it can cause us to get overwhelmed and almost shut down and feel like I'm a failure. <laughs> you know, oh, I haven't yeah. done any of that. But habits are just, it's the same thing that you're doing every day. So I would just encourage whoever's listening, just pick one, you know, one thing to do that's different that you haven't done before that's pointing your kids to the lord and just do that thing yeah and see if it sticks yeah you know you don't have to do a million things just do that one thing that's great what uh, another another question that people might have of parents how do you know what theological topics to raise with your kids and when it's age appropriate with them you know when it when a kid asks you about the the, the destiny of unsaved people people who don't mm-hmm. believe how do you know when they're ready for you to give a vague answer of like, oh, we don't really know, or the Bible tells us that that makes God sad or upset, or you know, mm-hmm. to, to the full answer of walking through the whole doctrine of judgment and wrath right. and hell, you know? So <laughs> yeah. how, how, do you, how do you evaluate that with your kids? Yeah, I don't think that there's a simple, like one size fits all answer. I, I think it takes a lot of discernment as parents to know um, when our kids are ready for certain for certain doctrines and even just discernment and how to explain them, mm. right? Because it can be hard, like we right. mentioned. Oh, how do I how do I explain to you the doctrine of the Trinity? But like I mentioned earlier as well, I think we often underestimate our kids and what they're able to take in. And man, I think if your kids are asking hard questions, it means that they trust you, mm. which is great. Yeah, sometimes we can ironically and feel threatened by those questions or we don't. We almost don't want them to come because we're not sure mm. what we're going to do. But why not look at it as an incredible privilege and opportunity? Yeah, great trust. Um, yeah, I think just taking those questions one at a time yeah. and being able to discern. I think, I think the discerning part is what's the appropriate way to answer, especially if it's just a hard question mm. that you know, you know, is my child old enough to really understand this, you know, in a way that will be helpful to them. Because I think sometimes with those like more difficult doctrinal areas, whether it is sin or judgment or there could be fear. I know I've heard parents express that, you know, I'm worried that my kid isn't emotionally mature enough or intellectually mature enough to understand this and that they're going to take what I'm saying and misunderstand what this doctrine is really about. And it might actually implant in their minds, in their hearts, a, a, a 
deficient view of God, a harmful view of God, where they, mm-hmm. they come to view God they, they, as a scary tyrant, you know, who's very harsh and, you know, he demands perfection and I can't ever live up to that. And so he's always going to be mad at me. And have you ever wrestled with that? Like you want to protect your kids from absolutely. misunderstanding. So you almost don't want to tell them things. Yeah, absolutely. And what comes to mind right now is that we have, we have the good news of the gospel framing everything, right? So we have this spectacular news that even though we were enemies of God, he so loved us and so sent his love upon us that Christ came, Hmm. right? And died in our place and defeated death and rose again. And so these things that we don't understand, these concepts that we wrestle with, God's wrath, that's hard. Everything that we see is through the lens of the cross Mm. and the resurrection, right? And so that doesn't mean that we can grasp it totally, but I think that it will help bring some comfort as parents to this fear that, oh man, will my, will this cause them to turn away? Because everything that we're teaching is through the lens of the cross Mm. and and the resurrection of Christ. I also think we can entrust, we, we entrust our kids' souls to the Lord, right? And so we're just telling them what's true. And we're asking God to put that seed into good soil and to bear a harvest of righteousness with yeah. it, right? We don't have control over how it's received, yeah. Um, but we can pray and we can ask God to sow it into healthy soil. That's such a good reminder for us because we can sometimes take on that burden of, I have to make my child believe, I have to make them accept this as true, but mm-hmm. but we don't have that power and that's that's actually setting all of us up for a painful road. I wonder as a last question, are there any other mistakes to avoid or uh, any other things to not think when we uh, approach this topic of trying to teach our kids good theology, even our Mm. young kids? What would you say, uh, are there any things you would warn us against? Hmm. This is for them and not for me, if that makes sense. Mm. I, I just, I find, I often find myself having kind of a prideful, like heart posture towards my kids, just kind of the wagging finger, like, oh, how could you do that? Or Mm. how could you believe that in this moment functionally, you know? And it's so do I. I'm forgetting that God is with me. Yeah. (laughs) That he's omnipresent, right? Yeah, we're just better at Um, rationalizing it or hiding it. Yeah, yeah. And that we need these truths. We need the Lord (laughs) just as much as our kids do. And I think it's just really easy to, to try and function as my own Lord and my own Savior in my house, trying to save my kids, Hmm. trying to do my best on my own strength. And I'm not left to myself. And that's really good news Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I need them too. And so I think that's, that's a mistake, you know, that we can make that we need to be aware of is that um, we need it just as much as our kids do. We need the Lord. What a good word. Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time today to to yeah help us think as parents a little bit more intentionally about what it might look like to lead our kids to know and love God. Oh, you're most welcome. That was Christian Weatherall on teaching young children about God. For more, check out her new series with Crossway, For the Bible Tells Me So, a brand new collection of board books for young children aimed at teaching them the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Pick up these board books for 30% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. For more audio content like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend and leaving us a review. 
Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's Word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.